following podcast is a production of the network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. You're listening to a Tip of the Cap podcast brought to you by Stinger Sports. Stinger Sports makes high-quality gear for the player who expects more for their money. Visit them today at www.stingerwoodbats.com and use promo code TIP OF THE CAP, all one word, for 10% off your next order. Stinger Sports. Look great. Feel great. Play great. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Tip of the Cap podcast. I, as always, am Coach Jaws Derek Joswiak here with you, and I have two guests with me today. Uh, we are here doing it. I'm hanging out with the umpires. Uh, I got Tom Nager and President Norb from Western New York Umpire Association. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Doing well. How are you doing? Uh, happy to have you guys on the show. You know, I, I don't always like talking to umpires, but when I do, I have a good time. Well, because we're 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 very comical and we and we know what's going on most of the time. So uh, even despite the players and, and fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks so, thanks Regar- so much for having us, us, Derek. Oh, it's my pleasure. And regardless of what I normally tell people, you guys do do a fantastic job. <laughs> yeah, and and, and hey, speaking of, of fantastic jobs, I I want to uh, comment to you on how great your uh, podcast is i do listen to it from time to time and it is great and i know you know how crazy and how tough it is to put content together i used to do some uh work back in college on the local radio station for the hockey program at rit and it's a lot of work uh, but you know it makes a huge difference in the community and the people who listen the kids and whatnot some of the best comments i ever got just was doing all that work, but it's a lot of work. So you do make a big difference, man, and more than just all the great coaching you do in Western New York. So thank you. I appreciate that more than, you know, trust me. Um, you know, and, and you guys, I mean, you guys are out there all the time. Um, you know, you guys do do stuff regularly. I know I, uh, when I was at Lancaster, we had you guys almost every year. Uh, and I, I say almost, I'm pretty sure every year I was there, we had uh, the Western New York umpires, coming in for uh, during scrimmages and tryouts and stuff. And uh, both of you guys, I I've seen for forever doing that. Um, and that's usually the first time of the year I get to see you guys. Uh, so it's nice to be catching up with you guys. Not, not during a baseball season, kind of in during, during the dead period, if you will. Yes. Life There's- does go on, but uh, when baseball is on session. <laughs> well, and I guess or- that brings me to my first question. Um, so what do you guys do during this time of year as like, as an organization? Organizationally, we, the, the first thing that we focus on right now is recruitment and, and trying to get information out uh, to the public, uh, trying to shake the bushes to see how many people we can get to, think about umpiring and, and joining an association and, and getting their feet wet into, uh, in, into an upper, I'm going to say an upper level. And I'm comparing that to perhaps a little league association where, uh, taking that step 
can can really make a difference in in what you learn and 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 how you apply the rules in a in in a totally different segment. I mean, in in the little league atmosphere, your biggest challenge isn't so much the players or or the rules; it's the coaches and the parents. And as you get into the upper level of of ball. Uh, you see less and less of that. You don't see a lot of uh, parental interference. You don't see coaches constantly hammering uh, umpires trying to trying to get calls their way. Yeah, there's a little bit of chit chat every now and then, and 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 so on. But that's that's part of the game up to a point. Uh, but right now, it's. Our focus is on recruiting and trying to get more people into the association, get people that are interested. It's, I'll, I'll give you a quick story on how I got into this uh, many, many years ago. I was a 15-year-old kid watching my brother's Little League game, watching an umpire working a game, and he was awful, and I let him know about it. <laughs> and he... <laughs> And, and he finally came over to me between innings and he said, if you think you can do a better job, why don't you get your butt out here and do it? And you said challenge and accepted. And, and I, and he, he's put a challenge in front of me and I, I made it a point that spring to, to get involved, learn the game from a, from a umpire's perspective or rules perspective. And I just finished my 54th year as an umpire wow so it uh and 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 now being president of the association we're trying to nurture as many people along as we can we we want to work closely with the little league organizations in the western new york area and try to help them with with their programs because quite honestly with the last two years of covid and the challenges of of covid a lot of the little league organizations have lost their staffs. They don't have umpires to work their programs. So now they're coming to us and asking us for help. And there's times when we just don't have enough physical bodies to give them umpires, uh, sure. even in a one man situation is we'll, we'll bend over backwards and try to fill as much as we can help them. But we did have games last this past season where we just didn't have enough bodies to cover. And, and that's the worst thing that, that, that to, to me is not being able to, to help somebody out and, and supply them with, with some officials. Of course. Uh, and I, I know that we saw that even in some of the high school ranks last year, I know we had a couple uh, seventh and eighth grade games that, uh, ended up having to be moved, canceled, or turned into scrimmage with either a coach or parent umpire because they just, they, they didn't, uh, there was just no bodies to be had, uh, especially with the condensed season last year uh, yes. because of everything that got pushed back. So, uh, and the, like the umpire shortage, I mean, it's, it's not just in baseball, obviously uh, we hear about it through all other sports. Um, in your opinion, and, and, you know, Tom, feel free to chime in on this as well. Uh, what's causing that, that type of, you know, that type of shortage or the, the, just the, the, the inherent need for more people. Well, I, know, it's go ahead, Tom. I, I was going to start, but I, I think Norb will definitely agree. It's, it's actually a problem that has been going on for years. I mean, this isn't even just COVID relations. I'm, 
related or, or anything. It's been going on a, a while. Um, you know, some of it is probably, you know, to be, be honest, uh, some of the crazier situations, and I think they get kind of, you know, overblown more due to the social media and stuff, you know, back in the day, they, you know, we'd hear about some crazy thing happening and it'd be, you'd just hear about it. But now, you know, everything's recorded on YouTube or whatnot and it's, it's all over. So, so some people get that and, and some of that has been going on. I don't want to downplay it. I mean, some people do need to chill. Remember, it's just a game, but, you know, overall, I really do feel, especially, you know, give a tip of the cap, as you would say, to a lot of the baseball community in Western New York. Those kind of incidents are, are full and are few and far between, especially around here. And I, I really give a lot of credit to a lot of the players and the coaches because of that. You know, it's an emotional game and stuff happens. But, you know, luckily we don't deal with too much of that. So, you know, I think some people, you know, are f- afraid about that. You know, it can also be, you know, tough, too, because it, it is a commitment to, you know, a lot of guys. You know, I had to take – I was out of the game for about four or five years because, honestly, the job I was had at the time working as a uh, IT specialist for a law firm, I, I was lucky to get home at 6 o'clock. You know, that's usually when right around games are just starting, much less – get going so you know I had I was out of the game for a couple of years just because of work so there's also the time commitment family and whatever so you can look at that uh what else am I missing Norb well I'm I'm going to contribute it from from this perspective you see a lot of challenges and issues with the kids who are starting out as umpires in the league organizations and and I'm not throwing stones at, at, at these organizations at all, but the training that's provided to them isn't nearly up to the, the level that it needs to be. Uh, and, and the biggest challenge and issue that I have seen walking through some little league parks and uh, during tournaments and, and just regular games is the spectators who will berate a, a young kid, a 12 or 13 year old uh, boy or girl who might be working, let's say an eight U coach pitch uh, or, or pitching machine pitch type of type of a game. And if they miss a call, they get absolutely berated by the fans, by the spectators. And that's wrong. It is so wrong. And, and in a lot of cases, you'll see coaches who will try to stem that but in, in, in too many cases, you see the coaches piling on. And, and if, if that young umpire has blown a call, so be it, all right? Everybody's going to make mistakes, especially at that level. This is a learning situation. And unfortunately, a lot of these younger people aren't given enough training on how to deal with this type of a situation and what becomes an intimidation scenario. And they just, they just walk away because they're, they can't handle, they can't, they, 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 they're taught to respect adults, but 
sometimes the abuse that is thrown, and I'm talking F-bombs, at, at 12-year-old kids, there's no need for that kind of stuff. And, and it's, this is what turns a lot of people, a, a lot of the younger, the, the, peop, the kids at the root uh, of, this, uh, of this job, if you want to use that term, uh, they're the ones that being turned away and turned off. And, and these are the ones that we need to, to grow and nurture and, and advance up because they're the ones who are eventually going to be the, 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 the guys who are working, guys and girls who are working the, the softball games, the, the baseball games, the, the, the 13U, the 15 travel U. It's, there's all kinds of different levels. And, and, and depending on how far they want to advance themselves, training will be available to them and evaluations and, and teaching and, and heck, we've had, we've had a number of umpires in our organization who have graduated to the college ranks and in some cases, even the professional ranks. Sure. And, and we encourage that. We, if from my perspective, if I can put every one of our umpires into a, into a college situation, I'd welcome it because we want them to do well. We want them to grow. Absolutely. And, 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 and that's the only way the game can, can get to be the, 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 the numbers need to be, need to grow from, from that perspective. And it needs to, and, and just to go back with the young, young kids. I mean, that's basically how I came up. I started umpiring in the low league. I was associated with coming up, which was Lou Gehrig. Many people know it. And, uh, you know, back then, yeah, there, there was a, a ton of opportunity. A lot of kids who did umpire got a couple of my best friends joined and, and you know, uh, followed me. And actually it was one of the kids there that uh, father worked for uh, the old president before Norb and got me involved here and moved from there. And, and especially when I was growing up, uh, and going and trying to pay off uh, RIT bills that I eventually was lucky enough to go to school at. Uh, I learned quickly I could make a lot more money umpiring like crazy on the weekend uh, than I did uh, working at the time at Arby's or whatever minimum wage. Even though, even, and that's still true today, even when the minimum wage has got much bigger, you still are going to make more money. So, yeah, we, we got to tap in. That's one thing we've been looking on as an organization to tap into the young kids. We've seen, I've actually seen through some hockey roots too. They have uh, a lot of, of uh, success uh, with getting some ex players involved and into the game. We've seen a couple of that in uh, the professional ranks too. And it's something uh, we have got to got to do because if we look around at our organization too draws i tell you one thing you know i i just passed 40 but um norb can tell you i i'm still kind of a bit almost the baby in the room even at that age we're not getting younger and, and when we need to for sure that's the that's the biggest challenge right now is that 40 percent of our membership is aged 60 or older and the days of of these umpires going out and being able to work two three four games in a day they don't happen anymore and 
sure. years back, a lot of these umpires were capable of of working uh, a, a, tr- a triple uh, in in baseball or a quad in in softball. Now they can't. Uh, summers have gotten hot, hotter, uh, and and longer. physically, yeah, and physically, they just they just don't have that energy level anymore. And and I understand that, and I truly truly can appreciate that. I'm I'm in that same age bracket. I know what it's like. I've been there. And it's just, t- it's just tough in general because let me tell you, you know, Norb knows it because he and I. I tell you, we're, we have the same conversation during the year very o- often where he's like, yeah, I, I really need you. I really need you. And it's, it, it's tough to squeeze even for me because, you know, I got a wife. I got two kids. Uh, and uh, they're the only thing probably I love more than baseball. But, you know, you got to manage that time with them. And sometimes I, I have to tell Norb, no, it's just, you know, it's, sure. it's the family commitment. So, sure. you know, the. The really and, and trust me, I mean, not also say Norb understands that very well. So, but that also feeds into why we need more. And let's remember, not just we not need just more guys. We we even need more ladies because if getting over there too, especially you know, I mean, well, obviously there's always room in baseball if you want to work there too. But we, uh, you know, we have a big softball leagues that we service as well and we need umpires as well yeah it's uh the the demand is growing it's yeah, absolutely there's, growing. there's definitely not a lack of baseball being played i can tell you that much and even oh, more so in the softball ranks i can i can i can tell you quite honestly last season this past this past summer uh not including high school, just talking from the amateur aspect. We started the amateur season around May 10th. We ended it uh, the first weekend in November, and I assigned well over 5,000 games wow. in that time period. And that's not including high school? Not including high school. Do you that's- want to get get more? I started, actually, I don't remember, was it like March 12th? At- 13th is lucky enough to do my first college game with uh, I was there a great broadcaster there <laughs> I bring in, uh, which made that even more special thank you Ross. but um, yeah that was like March 9th or 10th I think and I finished a uh, ball ball game out in Rochester uh, I, I think around right around my birthday day about November 14th or, or so somewhere in there so yeah, and uh, yeah, there's definitely with, no lack. Yeah, especially with turf fields and stuff now. If it's if it's dry enough and warm enough, people are playing. Uh, especially around here, the season's gotten longer and longer. But so if uh, I were warm, warm enough, doesn't warm enough doesn't. <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding. No yeah, kidding. I was at the Monday night football game. It's you know we're we're tougher up here in Buffalo. <laughs> and, and by warm enough, I mean like above twenty. Like, yes. Let's be honest. We we've all we've all had that game where all the coaches and the umpires are standing going, why are we playing today? And the kids are out there warming up and you're like, Oh my, some kids got a pitch in this. Are you kidding? Uh, we've all yeah. been there for sure. But uh, so say I was a young or even just uh, like even around my age, I'm 34 years old, turning 35 this year, or I'm a, some young umpire turning 17, 18, 19 years old. Uh, and I wanted to get into the West New York umpire association. What do I do? 
Walk me through the, your brand new. You have no idea. You 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 want to do it because you know what you did some little league umpiring when you were younger, and you've kind of you want to you want to get to you want to take the next step. So if, right. I, if that's me, take me through that 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 realm. The easiest way is to just go onto our our website, which is www org O-R-G. And on that homepage, towards the left-hand side, there is a, uh, a, a button that says, do you want to umpire? You just have to click on that and it opens up a window uh, where you can fill in your, your information uh, and then send it. It will come to me and uh, our two instructors uh, and we will contact you once we once we get that information and fill you in with 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 any type of information that you would need uh i try to make a personal phone call in most cases uh if i can't i will at least acknowledge the application with an email and follow up with a phone call uh, a day or two later just to make sure that uh they that they know that we got your information and, and we can certainly walk you through the, the entire process. The biggest thing is initially is to get through the training. Uh, uh, and of course, there is expense involved because you do have to purchase uniform and, and equipment. Uh, we don't require our baseball people to, to purchase plate equipment right away. Uh, because we want them to get comfortable first. Now, if, if they're ball players and they're, they're comfortable in going behind the plate, some, some of the newer people that we've gotten are, are former catchers. So a lot of them have some gear that they can utilize, uh, even though it is an official umpire gear, it works. Uh, but they're not afraid to get, get behind, the, behind the plate and, and take a look at pitches. And our, our training can take you through all the detail stuff. We, we focus on the rules through the, through the winter months, uh, either through live classroom or via a Zoom concept. Uh, and then once the weather breaks and we can get outside, uh, then we try to get outside and work on mechanics. And, uh, and to- simple things from how to call a safe and how to call an out. Yeah. And then move into positioning and so on. Right. And to circle back to what you you had mentioned earlier, uh, we we also been trying more and more. It's something that's, you know, been on Norb's agenda ever since uh, he took over. And fortunately, COVID and stuff kind of slowed it down. But it's still something we want to do more is get uh, clinics in with uh, the teams around here, including, you know, you have some experience, Charles, that what we've done at Lancaster with coming out and having guys uh, participating in your team scrimmages uh, so that they could get warmed up and also have usually we try to get senior umpires out there to give instruction and feedback so they can get better. We've also uh, have partnered with a couple of the uh, local premier travel groups, I guess, if you want to call them that, that uh, have some of their own facilities and have their own uh, batting cages and have done live uh, caged sessions, uh, which the K 
catchers, let me tell you, they love it when we come in and, and do this because usually, you know, it's catchers calling balls and strikes and they end up making enemies for a week or two while they go through that. <laughs> and and irritating coaches. Was that a ball or strike? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, we, we've been doing that more and more. So that's one of the things I want to stress out there for any coach or player out there for a team that has that. Uh, even if you're doing a scrimmage, uh, you know, and, and this is something we typically, we have always done. And unless maybe this becomes a huge demand, I don't think it's see it changing. We don't charge. We'll bring out like six, seven, eight umpires and have them sub in and have them under the direction of I said, a senior college umpire. Uh, something that we really have a lot more of now, as Norb mentioned, so that, you know, we can pull them aside and give them instruction while somebody else is out there. And so it allows, you know, you as a coach to be able to, you know, get, you know, balls and strikes and get your guys into game situations earlier. And it allows us, you know, it's mutual beneficial because we can train our guys and get feedback and, you know, really make our guys look like, you know, umpires like that are on that major league field. Right. So uh, if anybody's also interested in that, please do contact uh, Norb mentioned our website. And if you go right there, yeah, there's a click to one umpire right there. Uh, if you have any trouble, there's our, our office number and email right there. Uh, as you know, Josh, we also have a Twitter and Facebook account that I monitor uh, myself, quite frankly. So if you need to get on, if you just send a message through that, you know, if you need anything, whether if you want to umpire or you want us to come help there, just send us a message. We'll we'll get out there. Send a smoke signal if you have to. We'll find a way to get there. <laughs> yeah, and I can tell you, uh, first off, having you guys at the, uh, the the those early season scrimmages that we would have <clears throat> was always fantastic. Um, you know, and it was it was fun to see too because like we're there evaluating, and then you know once tryouts are done, we're there, you know, just getting live game reps whenever we can, and. It, it was always interesting for me to be sitting there and like working with my pitchers and catchers and stuff like that. And then what, and hearing, and, cause you guys would be literally right next to me and somebody would get out from behind the plate. And, you know, I have seen both of you like, Hey, you want to kind of be more in the slot here do this, do that, you know, uh, say this, don't say that, do this, don't do that. You know? And then later on in the year, you see some of these guys that you saw, you know, early on, and you can see, you know, the, the mistakes that maybe they made inside, not translating outside all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're in the right spot or they're making the right call or doing or saying the right thing. And that was, that was really cool. And again, beneficial for us because I'm not worried about umpiring a scrimmage. I'm worried about working with my guys that I'm supposed to be doing work with and not worried about the balls and strikes aspect of it. Um, you know, and so, and, and that's, that's really cool. And all, and I, I love personally the activity on the social media that you guys put out there. Uh, I know I've interacted with the Western New York umpire Twitter more than a few times, uh, just on different calls and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I like to bring up things that I've, ex I, I see and or experience on the diamond myself or hear about from friends. Uh, and I've gotten messages from, you know, from you guys like, Hey, where did that happen? Like, uh, you know, that, that, if that, if that was one of ours, like I, I kind of want to know type thing and, you know, a, creating that a accountability, but also, you know, I, I want to put that out there to share that, you know, you guys do care, like you care about the product that you're putting out there, um, you know, in, in an effort to solve some of the issues that we talked about earlier that have, are causing the recruitment side of things. You know, if there's somebody acting unprofessionally, that might turn somebody off 
to wanting to join the organization because that speaks for the organization. And you guys are on top of that as, as well as I've ever seen. Yeah. And we try. We, we, we've, <laughs> we've always, we, we, the, the big thing is when you're, when you're bringing in umpires from our association, we try to be as professional as we possibly can. And that, that goes right down to having your shoe shined as at, at ground rules and, and your uniform being, being clean and, and proper um, communication. It's all the little things that, that put us at a slightly higher level than, than, than what you're accustomed to. Those are the things that we, we focus on and we, and we need to be able to present ourselves as, as a professional organization and, and, and a professional group. And, and we pride ourselves on, on doing that. Yeah, and uh, do we have 100% compliance in our organization now? But we, we, we strive to go for 100%. And the ones that don't, they'll, they'll, they'll get a message here and there once, once I find out about it. Yeah, well, and it's also tough to, uh, you know, I, I tell a lot of umpires, you know, what, you know, there's three things that makes, makes a good, a good umpire. I mean, one, obviously is going to be your, mechanics are you getting into into the right spots to make the right call see the play and what what not number two you know obviously you got to know the rules and number three is what we call game management and when I go to say what actually then the difference between a good and a great umpire I flip that around and put game management especially when you get to the higher levels that is probably also the toughest I think Norb would agree with me to, is is learning how to manage the different personalities and really manage the game and it's it's one thing i don't know norm's kind of one of my bosses so he can tell me if i'm full of it or not it's one of the things i think i've been pretty good at and one of the reasons why i've been blessed to make it to the level that i have been able to to make and it's one of the one of the biggest things and it is one of the most difficult because you know everybody's human you know we all have jobs I try to tell people, try to picture doing your job, whatever you do, whether if it's accounting, if it's, you know, turning some bolt somewhere as a handyman, try to imagine doing that with somebody right there critiquing you in the way they do at ball games. It's, it's tough. And you got to kind of remember, and I tell guys all the time, hey, you got to give them a little break too, because they're fighting literally over millimeters when it comes to balls and strikes. So try to understand that. Try not to take it personally. Try to understand they're not really yelling at you as much as a uniform. And if you kind of give them that breath and stuff, you know, it goes a long way. And I think, Josh Blair, I, I would hope you'd kind of think that that's how I, I, I try to umpire when I'm out there. But let me tell you, it ain't easy. So, <laughs> and that's part of what, one of the things we've talked about is just having a game management clinic more often to talk about handling and diffusing issues. Yeah. Tom, Tom is, Tom's very right on, on a lot of that stuff too. It's uh, the game management aspect, but a lot of that will come with experience uh, and, and just getting through games by the day, by the week, by the month, uh, you're going to have games where you've been absolutely awesome and people are going to tell you you were awesome. You're going to have games where you just 
everything <laughs> is cross-eyed and, 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 and you just couldn't, you just can't find your, your strike zone. If, if you happen to be calling balls and strikes, um, it happens, it happens to all of us. And, and we don't have perfection in, in, in the organization because umpiring isn't a, isn't perfection. Uh, you, how many times have you seen games in major league baseball where they've had to go to review and change calls because uh, of a, re- uh, a replay uh, or yeah. a review? Uh, it happens more often than you not. And these are paid professionals at the highest playing, the highest level of the sport. And, and they're still getting calls incorrect. Um, strike zones, Angel Hernandez, perfect example. I personally, I, I, I don't see how he's lasted this long in the majors, but it, it is what it is. He's, he's, they see something in him to keep him around and, and, so be it. But you know, the teams, they know what they're going to get. They know who he is. They know what they're going to get and they prepare accordingly. Uh, it, it becomes part of the game plan Absolutely. and, and how they're going to attack them. Uh, same thing, even at the high school level, it's you, you have a, you have a pair of umpires come up and if, if I come up and work in the plate and you know, you're going to roll your eyes and said, Oh, here we go again. I would you know, never. And then, I would I never. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're you're but, not wrong. I I have because I and I do know quite a bit of the guys that uh, you know that bounce around uh, the diamonds as umpires. And when I coach, I I'll tell my guys like, hey, listen, uh, you know, he's got a low zone. Every time I've ever had him as a player and a coach, he's got a low zone. Be ready for it. Don't don't go up there and when you get that first strike at like just you think is a little low but it, it, that's that's at the bottom of the knee don't get mad understand like this is this is something that we have to prepare for and overcome to some extent sure. as a pitcher live down there uh yeah. it's, it's tough to get hit when you keep the ball low um and other times like hey listen like i i know this guy eh, zone's a little shaky just be ready you know it, it kind of it, it is it becomes part of your part of your prep as a coach and as a player is to know what you're dealing with and who um you know, and, and I've, I, and I'm sure at some level, uh, you both have dealt with me from the coaching side of things. And I've, I've always find, you know, you catch more flies with honey, right? Um, yep. you know, even if I have an issue, if I do make a comment from the bench, I usually try to make it funny. Um, I, I got to pull this one on, uh, Eric Saladin last year. At one point, my kid threw a curveball that I thought was over for a strike and, um, my catcher thought it was a strike. The batter acted like it was a strike and it was called a ball. And I, Hey, it's all right, kid. Here you go. Sometimes you fool them both. And you know, he, I, I got a little, I got, I got like the smirk and the head shake out of him. And you know, he, he knew I disagreed. I said my piece, my kid laughed. It was good. Um, you know, but normally I'll just walk up between innings and be like, Hey, uh, you sure about that one? And, and just have a conversation. And we've actually gone as far. And I, I don't mean to spill some of the uh, deep, dark, dark secrets, but just to keep, you know, the, the sideline somewhat happy, we've actually employed a few times uh, coming up to an umpire looking aggressive and like, so you're, you're seeing the body language just, you know, head up and finger pointing and the whole thing. And then what I'm actually saying is like, you know what, I'm just over here telling you that that was a great call. And I, but I've got to do this because my, my I, I got to have the sideline and my kids think that I'm getting into you about this, but if that was a great call. You were right. It was that you were in great position. Good job. And then walk away. And I've actually had umpires look at me and be like, it was so hard not to laugh while you were doing that, but I appreciate it because it made it look like you were sticking up for your team. 
but you came over and said, Hey, it was, it was close, but I think you got it right. It, it happens. It happens more often than, than you think. Uh, and then I've also had seen situations, had a situation where I had a coach come up to me and said, we're playing so bad today. I'm, I want you to throw me out and I'm going to create all kinds of a ruckus and don't take it personally, but I need to light a fire under my squad and the antics begin. And, and as I'm trying to keep a straight face, just waiting for him to get through the, through the, the whole routine. And once the routine is done, then I say, okay, you're gone. And it's, and it's over and everybody's cheering and yelling. And, and I turn around and we'll go back to my position and smirking the entire time, knowing that this was all, all set up, but it is what it is. It, it happens that way. It's part of that chess match that we all play when we play the game, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I'll tell Absolutely. you a quick, quick story happened to me, me uh, this year working with a guy who I worked with uh, a long time in, in a college game. We had a dribbler back to the pitch down up towards the first baseline. Pitcher picked it up. It looked like it was going to be a race to the bag. And at the last second, the pitcher realized he wasn't going to get there. So he quickly uh, flipped it. And this, you know, 20-year umpire, this is what happens. You get fixated sometimes. I got fixated on the front of the bag thinking I was going to have uh, a tag play in the bag. And the next thing I know, I'm trying to adjust. And I was just a hair slow to be a situation where it was a quick force play. And I thought the guy got the foot there, but I knew right when I called by the reaction and even it was funny because the kid who actually was running the batter runner was a kid we had last year. And I I, I knew from his reaction that uh, I I had blown it. And, but luckily I was working with a guy who worked a lot he gave me a, a little signal we have. We, at the time, want to get together. We talked, and he said, yeah, I'm sh- 100% sure. So we reversed it. Coach came out, and I gave him an onyx explanation and said, said I, I said what basically I just told you guys. And he said, okay, can I talk to your partner? I go, okay, yeah, sure. He said he was sure, and that's why. And as he was there, I heard my partner said right to him, say, hey, coach, if you want to get animated a little, if you want to get going for your team, you know, you go, go on and do it. We won't take offense. We understand. So, you know, that's part of the game management. We talk about it. understand letting the game kind of happen to let some emotions leak out slowly. So they don't go kaboom later on. Of course. Yeah. Nobody ever wants to be uh, in one of those situations where you're getting followed to your car after the game or something like that. And which I've unfortunately, even as a coach, I've seen, probably four or five times uh just through just through high school i've seen umpires get you know berated while walking to the vehicle with you know and one in one instance um we were at a field that the umpire's family the, the umpire lived nearby and his his wife and kids came to see the game and this kid you know this guy's young kid ended up hearing a high school senior basically you know read him the riot act the entire way to his car and you know, nobody ever wants to get to that point. And, you know, we all see the showmanship, you know, we all see the, uh, you know, making it look good to some extent. Right. And at the end of the day, I think people would be kind of surprised to hear how often uh, you're kind of on the same page with people 
and how like how how many conversations happen in a game that like you know i might be i might ask you a question or protest something and you know all it is is i, I turn and look at the guy near me and just say hey uh every time this kid throws a curveball he's touching his hat first and oh i didn't notice well could you keep an eye on it for me and then sure enough like i, I would like there's one there's one there's one and after the third one you go do you want me to check could you time and it caused a problem with the other team but it was like the, the umpire looked at me he's like you're absolutely right and we ended up using that to our advantage um because he didn't tell the kid why he just said like i you know the, the other coach noticed that you know you've been going to your hat and we were just making sure there's nothing on the hat and then i ended up going to the bench telling my kids hey if uh you know if he's expecting to throw a curveball he goes to his hat before he toes the rubber and we ended up tearing him up on it, tearing up his curveball after that because it was a tell, um, you know, but it was something that uh, just a casual conversation with, with an umpire that was nearby that, you know, turned into something that uh, eventually tw- turned the game. Sure. And it's, it, it's fun. It's fun to know uh, like just how often that happens on both sides. And again, the casual conversations that end up affecting the game in one way or another and i'm not saying like oh i come up and you know hey you know we should go grab some pops after this or whatever like not like that just a casual baseball conversation bringing up something of concern or hey could you keep an eye on him you know coming to us coming to a stop or something like that and just maybe something that you know laser focused on balls and strikes and didn't notice yeah he's not really he's kind of rocking and going the whole way and just little things like that that don't end up making sports center for a not top 10 essentially (laughs) yeah it's good to have that. And, you know, I've been a huge proponent and I'll tell you right now, uh, I made a speak to coaches, you know, the, the, one of the most important players, I think most coaches would agree with me is going to be your catcher because he helps not just manage the game with your pitchers, but he can manage the game with the umpire. And that's one thing I, instilled a lot of our younger guys is, you know, that that's who you're working with in the game. You, you, you work together. And a lot of times you can diffuse issues uh, with not only just the pitcher, but other players by just having a conversation the right way with, with a a catcher to go uh, talk to them and, you know, just be honest. It's your best asset. It's it's tricky, but it's, it's really good. And a good catcher, let me tell you, one who can really manage a game back there. I love working with them because, you know, it just helps to keep those situations from exploding. Absolutely. 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 It's I, I, when, when I'm working a plate game, I always try to build a rapport with the, with the catcher. I'll get to know his name. I'll, I'll, I'll tell him, Hey, don't, don't think of this as I'm an untouchable or you can't talk to me, you know, uh, don't be afraid to, to ask a question and, and, and I may even ask you if, if I'm, if I'm catching that outside corner properly, uh, it's, you'd be amazed how, how honest a lot of these catchers can be. And, 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 you know, I always make it a point of about the fourth inning. I'll always ask them, how's the zone look to you? And, and they, they'll tell you, hey, you're, you're very consistent with it, which is, which is the magic word. I, they may not necessarily agree, but the word consistent tells you something that they can bank on. They know exactly what you're going to call when you're going to call it and, and where the pitch needs to be. And that's, and that's the, the key to, to, to officiating anything when you're calling balls and strikes is just to be able to be consistent with it. It may not be the perfect strike zone, 
But if you're consistent with it, then teams adjust and they know what, what you're going to get called. It's, it's, that's, that's the, that's one of the big things. Um, I do want to circle back to one quick comment uh, and that going back to the recruiting side, if, if I may. Absolutely. There's a, uh, Years ago, uh, the impression was that if you wanted to be an umpire, you had to commit eight days a week to being an umpire. And since I took over this organization, we have gotten away from that focus because people have lives. And, and it, what, what happened, one of the things that happened during COVID is, and when things got shut down, people discovered that hey, there is a life other than officiating, which, which has kind of hurt us a little bit because it's also, you know, taken some of our, what I like to call our warriors who are giving us six and seven days of availability. And all of a sudden they're backing down to three or four because they discovered that, hey, I might be able to go play around a golf after work, or I can enjoy some time with, with, with family doing other activities. And, you know, and I support all that. I really do. Um, you don't have to be a eight day a week warrior to be an umpire. Uh, if, if you can give us one or two days a week, we'll gladly accept one or two days a week and, and fill in whatever your availability is. Uh, the other thing also is that you have a lot of kids who are playing high school ball and not all of them are blessed with great skills. Uh, that they can go on and, and, and play summer rec ball, either in a travel program, uh, a triple ABA, uh, American Legion, uh, whatever their situation is, but they enjoy the game. And these are the types of kids who excel at umpiring uh, because they, they love the game. They may not have been able to play it very well, but they love it so much that they still want to be involved in some way, shape or form. And those are the ones that we would love to pluck into the umpiring world because they know the game. They understand the game. They maybe don't have the skills to play at, at at an, at a upper level in, in summer ball, but boy, they can go out and they can, they know how to call balls and strikes and safes and outs and fair and foul. And, And we can certainly work with, them and teach them a lot of that and those are the guys that usually become our better umpires because of their uh, their love of the game yeah I, i'd like to think in, in a way norb's actually talking about me because you know i uh i played for good old jerry gars or kind of played for him i, I rode the bench in high <laughs> high school he kept me around around for a couple of years because i could hit the ball but came senior year actually i was cut uh in favor of uh, another junior that was even with me completely understood it so but you know my love of baseball never faded because of that and that's why I stuck with it and the other reason I go out there a lot too is really much almost everything that Norb uh mentioned I just had one other thing I go out there because it's my way of continuing to stay in the game and compete and who I'm competing against is myself I want to be better every time that I'm out there so I'm trying you know, when I get another play game, I'm trying to say, okay, I've got 94% or whatever, 92%. I want to get 95, 96, just try to be better. And, you know, it keeps the competitive uses flowing. You're uh, not the first umpire I've had on the show that said that. 
Um, <laughs> they, and, and, and I'm being completely honest. I I've had, uh, I've had a couple guys on that have come out and said flat out, you know, I, I can't play anymore. Um, and, and the nice thing about being an umpire is you don't have to throw 90 and you don't, and you don't have to hit bombs. Um, and it's, I, and I've always said that there's, if you love the game of baseball, there's always a way to stay involved, whether you, you know, when your playing days are done, um, you know, there, there's your, your playing days are done in my opinion, when you want them to be, <clears throat> there's always a place for guys that want to be on the field. And if, and if at the end of the day, it's not as a player, you know, you, there, there, people are always looking for coaches, always looking for umpires. Um, and if you love the game that much umpiring, I, I've considered it quite a few times, actually. Um, I can tell you guys both that I, it's, it is something that has rattled around my brain more than once. Uh, and I, I, I will probably end up donning an umpire uniform at some point in my life because I do know that I'm not going to play forever. Um, and uh, eventually I plan on having kids and someday that'll be, you know, obviously the coaching aspect of it is a big part of my life, but, um, I used to umpire when I was younger, you know, I was part of the Lancaster Pew little league umpires. And, you know, I was one of those guys that the guy who was the coordinator at the time, uh, I lived a block away. So when somebody no showed or somebody canceled last minute, my phone rang, Hey, can you get there? And I hopped on my bike and I was in there. It was there in three minutes. And anytime he needed me, I was there. I was 13, 14 year old. Uh, years old doing 12u travel at the time and stuff and i loved it i I had an absolute blast um and actually had i not gotten into coaching i probably would have already been in the ranks of of umpiring um you know but it's just one of those things that it's if you love the game and you want to be part of the game the game offers opportunities to do so and umpiring is a big big one of them uh and we could use more umpires every day like we said it's very, very rewarding. And, uh, you know, and, and that's actually in draws, you'd be a great umpire, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, it, and what you just talked about is actually how you get up. You know, I want to go back and talk, uh, Norb was talking about, you know, you don't have to be available every day. In fact, that's the great thing, really, especially under Norb leadership that uh, we have. You go out, you go every week or month or whatever, and you can just actually pick out on a calendar online what days you're available. Now that doesn't necessarily guarantee you're going to get a game, but let me tell you more often than not, if you have an availability, Norb's going to need you somewhere. So you can basically pick your own schedule, but if you're also willing to do favors, let me tell you, it's one thing I tell, and now the guys get it. It's that kind of business. If you do some favors, trust me, guys like good assigners like Norb, they'll make sure they reward you for it. Absolutely. 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 The, the, the other, the other also, uh, you're talking about kids who are kids, students, uh, juniors, seniors in high school, uh, uh, aged students who are, who are home on, on summer break. You can easily, if you have open availability, you could easily pick up four or five thousand dollars in in the course of a three month season over the summer. And that's, that's some serious money. Yeah, what, know, they what, could almost buy you a car. They could they could pay for a lot of books. They can they can they can. And 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 the and the thing is, you're out on the diamond. You're 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 in the you're usually in decent weather. Uh, <laughs> You're not you're not flipping burgers. No offense to 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 the fast food, uh, or 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 checking out groceries or stocking shelves. 
you're making some serious money doing this and you're not putting in the hours to get it. For sure. Yeah, as I said before, that's I, a lot of RIT bills got paid with that. And, and still, you know, I don't, I'm at the point I'm blessed. I just took a new job. I was lucky enough to get with Delaware North, great company here, came with a great opportunity and whatnot. But, uh, you know, I, I, I so I, I don't really, ever feel like I have to umpire for the money. I could walk away if I wanted to, but let me tell you, I'm not going to lie. The money is, is kind of nice. I've, uh, during COVID, I got enough to, uh, build, build uh, a new deck on my house. And actually now this winter, I'm doing a, a complete kitchen remodel and a lot of it is being paid off with money from umpiring. So no matter what walk of life you're from, you know, you, you can bring in uh, a decent, little extra uh, income and it's it's a lot funner than some of the other jobs that you uh, do after work and uh, we all we all know that money does talk so uh, and, and what and what college kid wouldn't, wouldn't want four or five grand in their pocket going back to school in the, in the fall you know that's uh, that, yeah, that money goes a long way in school I can tell you that and they get to stay in the game they, oh, yeah. they love so that that's definitely one thing we've started and we've talked about as a board that we want to target. So if you're a young ball player out there, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, God bless you get the chance to keep your career going as long as you can. But, uh, you know, just, just get out there. Cause you know what it is off Charles, you talk about it. It's also as an umpire, what I love is it's the relationships I get to build with the, uh, the, the players and the coaches that make it fun. Uh, the collegiate, college league that I'm fortunate enough to do. I, I actually just love all these kids that come in all around the country. And yeah, yeah, you get the occasion. I mean, Hunter Pence was in that league. So you get some great talent in there, but you also just get kids from all over that are just, this is what they're doing for the summer. And it's great to meet them and get, get to know them. And, you know, it makes you kind of remember the days when you uh, were fortunate enough to, to play. And, and I think about that quite often, like probably a lot of us do about the guys I played high school with. That's why I love our high school reunions. You go talk about the first thing we talk about is what is our playing days. And, Absolutely. Uh, that's what, uh, that's what I really love the most is, is the players, even, you know, guys, even when you're yelling at me, I just, I actually love it because it just reminds me of, uh, of a great time in my life. Without question. Uh, we got about 10 ish minutes left here. Uh, so okay. what I want to do, is first things first, I want one good story from both of you. Uh, one good umpiring story of the, the, the you would not believe this or I, I couldn't believe this happened or this unbelievable play. Uh, and then then it's shameless plug time. Uh, so tell your story. Uh, we'll start with Norb and then we'll go to Tom and then we'll come back and we'll kind of do uh, any type of plug, shout out, anything you guys want to do. So Norb, hit me with a you would not believe this story. Not to put you on the spot, but I put you on the spot. I was working, I was I was working a senior game out at Lancaster at Westwood Field. It was a beauty double A, and it does, if I'm not mistaken, I think you were one of the players in this game. Uh, I if we if and it was at Westwood, you I get, absolutely get, would. Yeah, if 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 before every game you get together with your partner, you have a you. 
have a pregame meeting and, and you talk about different things. And my partner that evening happened to bring up a situation uh, that he just thought about. And we kind of mulled through it. And, and all the years that I had been operating, I had never had this situation come up. And it had to do with a, uh, a, a catcher's balk and uh, uh, a steal of, of home. As I said, we never, we, we just talked about it. We, we, you know, how he asked me, how would you call it? And he had done some research on it. He was testing me and I didn't have it a hundred percent correct. So he played it out for me and we went through the, through the rules and, and, and we finished up the whole situation as we're walking up the path, going to the diamond. If you're familiar with Westwood, there's a, there's a little bridge from the parking lot and you have to go up, up a path to, to get to the diamonds. Well, here we are in the third or fourth inning and we've got a, uh, we've got a rabbit on third base who now breaks for the plate and the catcher picks up on it and he comes up in front of home plate to receive the, the, the pitch. So now we have, we have a catcher's balk. We also have a batter who couldn't take a swing at the pitch. So we also have an interference and thing out. And we, and when we got, 90% of the call correct. And when this whole situation was done and I called my partner over and I said, what do you, do you have a, a crystal ball or something? How in the world could you bring this play up in the parking lot before the game? And all of a sudden we have it. And this, <laughs> and, and this is 50 years of umpiring and I've never even heard of it happening before, but we had, we had a double penalty. Uh, we had a, a catcher's block. We had a, and we had a, a interference at the same time. Uh, so, is it, and of course, the coach who was offended, he didn't understand any of it. Of course, he didn't understand it. I didn't even understand it at the start. <laughs> so, so he didn't. He didn't get it. Yeah. Um, one other quickie. I had. A, I was working a a youth game, and I was on the bases and had a couple of real bangers out there. Uh, and in my opinion, I got every one of them right. And my partner, I checked with him and he gave me a head shake. Yes. So, so I was spot on and I had a spectator over by the side fence and he says, I'm, you're missing a pretty good game. And I said, yeah, I know, but I got assigned to this one. And he didn't know what to say. <laughs> Oh, that's a great response. I love it. And it, it that, that shut him up the entire game. I didn't have a hear, hear a peep from him the rest of the night. How, how could you? What do you say to that? Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing you can't say. No. Tom, you're up. Uh, I guess I got to tell, because I know if any of my buddies are listening. I'm not sure if Norv, if you've heard this story or not. Uh, this is a little Jimmy story, as it was known. This was actually told at my wedding. That's how us umpires rolled. Two out of three got best men or bachelors in my bachelor party at my wedding were umpires. And so this story came up, and I will never live it down. Um, and this happened actually in the last 
uh, serious game. It was a 15-year-old house league, league game out in Central Amherst many, many years ago, back when I was uh, flowing here and looking all sexy back in college. Uh, my good old buddy, Mike Scott, was doing the plate. I was in the, uh, the field and on first base was little Jimmy, who was known that league because he played with two prosthetic legs. Oh. And I had kind of forgot it was him. I, I heard there was a kid, but I kind of had forgotten that it was him. He, he, and he actually ran, even though he had it, he ran. I got to admit, if, if I had prosthetic leg, I mean, I run bad enough on two real legs. But uh, he ran pretty well. You really wouldn't notice let you know unless you knew that he had prospect legs. But of course, because I know everybody rooted for him. So he was on uh, first, although my partner liked to make it sound like he was legging, legging out a triple, no pun intended. Um, but there was actually a – he actually tried to steal second, throw got away, and he tried to extend it into third. I came down, there was a perfect throw, and I had him out at third on a swipe tag. And he got up and just as some 15-year-olds did, he, he, uh, he crossed the line with a, with a directed F-bomb at me. And, and you know, we, we can't have that in 15-year-old but not and even it was show you two things if it was men's league it probably was ejection worthy so i i end up uh tossing out the kid with no legs <laughs> and the funny thing is i completely forgot about that and didn't even think about it and i walk in of course we, we typically try not to get together after an ejection something happens just because it tends to attract too much attention so an inning or so later i just walk in check in on my partner or something and he just has this grin on his face and I'm like what he goes you're going to hell you just threw out the kid with no legs <laughs> oh so man. uh I don't know I'll have to post sometime again if I read the story my uh best man Mike Scott who was there at, there at the game he, he tells it a little more dramatically than that, but we don't have that much time and he kind of maybe fibs a little, but uh, yeah, it's a story. I will, when you throw out the kid with no legs. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that you, you live get, that one down. <laughs> you get, yeah. you get some, uh, you get some looks. Well, I, uh, I got to tell the so, both of you, I have from the same summer, um, I had the game I should have gotten ejected from and didn't. And the game I should not have gotten ejected from and did, uh, <laughs> So I was playing at Westwood at the big, at the, at the brickyard there. And I'd, ha I'd been having a rough day at the plate and I, I punched one over the, the first baseman's head, finally got on. I was like one for four on the day with two ugly strikeouts and a weak ground out or something. And I was finally, okay, fine. I'm on base. Let's go. Uh, the kid behind me hits the ball at the middle. I'm moving into second shortstop ranges, makes a play, flips the ball to the second baseman who is not ready for it and nowhere near the base. And the base umpire punches me out at second. I popped oh, up and started an 18, an 18 year old Jaws uh, F bomb laced tirade that just went above and beyond anything ever that should be allowed by any athlete on the planet. And somehow I did not get ejected from that game. Um, I, I don't know how my, and my, my dad 
enjoys and hates when I tell the story because he walked up to my coach and went, take him out of the game. I, I like, I, I take him out of the game. I'm taking him home. This is like, this conversation's happening now. And my coach looked at my dad and said, sit down. I got this. He grabbed my first baseman's glove and my hat told me to stand up kind of like punched me in the chest with my stuff and told me to sit down and then goes, you're going to get your butt back out there and play first base goes to walk away, stops, looks back and he goes. And when you get home, thank your father. Cause the only reason you're still in this game is because I don't listen to parents. And he walked away. I, I knew, I knew the plate umpire. All right. He was, he was the old uh, umpire coordinator for Lancaster little league when I umpired for him. So I've already talked about this guy on the show so far. He walked off the field and I, I looked and was like, Bob, how did I stay in this game? He goes, I don't know. I, I was close to tossing you, but I, I kind of gave you the benefit of the doubt, but I, I think one more F-bomb would have done it on it. So 39 is the limit. Number 40 is too many. <laughs> that was, it was that bad. Uh, about two weeks later, I'm playing my very first year of double A Muni and I get frozen on a curveball, right? Strike three ends the inning. And I just kind of tossed my, like not out of anger, just casually like tossed my bat and my helmet toward the bench. Hey, somebody picked me up. And as I'm walking toward third base, which I was playing third that day for some reason, all of a sudden I hear the bench go, Oh, someone's got to play third. Josh just got tossed. And I went, Josh just got to, I'm Josh. What did I do? And the base umpire saw like me take my hat and flip or my helmet and flip it toward the bench and thought I was throwing it out of protest and ejected me from the game. No questions asked. So baseball karma came back and got me on that one. Yep. At least it was that. Yeah. That drives me crazy. I see that in the majors sometimes. I, you know, I, I get, and there's times you need to stick up for your, your partner, but it can be tough because you know you don't always know if you got all the, the facts. That happens a lot too. Maybe if you have like a senior umpire with a younger one, he feels like he's got to protect them. But I, I always tell umpires be be careful because it, it can lead you down a, a, a tough path. That sometimes. You, you just see something that you think thought you saw and it's there's, there's another side to it. Yeah. And it, it was bad because uh, one of the coaches on my team walked up to the umpire and was like, um, what'd you toss him for? He threw, he threw his equipment. He goes, no, he didn't. He just like, he like, he, yes, he threw it by technical definition, but like he didn't throw his equipment. Like he just kind of guided his stuff that way. And like, like was going to play the field. He didn't protest. Like he knew he got, he knew he got beat by a curveball. He got froze and just, like, it was, ah, uh, somebody pick me up and like, just whatever. Right. Uh, so that was my, my, my karmic two week synergy of the umpiring world where I should have been tossed from one game and should not have been tossed from the other. And somehow the wires got crossed, but, uh, we've reached the point of the show now where it is uh, copious shout out time. So self-promotion, uh, anything you guys want to say, shout outs, you want to give, um, anything at all. This is your time. Let's have it. Well, first of all, I want to I want to do a shout out to all of the our current umpires in the association who have dedicated so much time and effort to to promoting this game from from the officiating side of it. Uh, our our guys don't always get enough credit for the job that they do. Uh, sometimes they're just taken for granted, and and quite honestly, as when the season starts flying, I don't always get the opportunity to to give everybody a, a pat on the back and, and, and a heartfelt shout out as well. So this is a great opportunity 
for me to reach out to our membership and, and tell them how much I do su- su- appreciate their, their work and, and, their, and their efforts. And uh, looking forward to season 2022 and, and making that successful for, for all of us. Love it. Tom, what do you got? Uh, just want to give a quick <laughs> shout out to uh, our new uh, board members that are coming in. Uh, a couple of longtime umpires that probably some people, including, I know, Josh, you're going to know some of these guys, Gary Klumps, got elected to our board, Brady DeVore, and uh, longtime umpire and uh, personal mentor to me, uh, Rick Antonio. Uh, they're going to be great additions to our, our board and uh, do some great things. And a final shout out to Derek. Uh, congratulations on your new job at uh, Madai. Thank you. Uh, and hopefully maybe we'll, uh, our paths will uh, we'll cross on the college field. I uh, hope so. Hope to see you out there. there. <laughs> yeah, congrats. Definitely. I wasn't even aware of that. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So, uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Tom, thank you for reaching out about being on and, uh, and bringing Norb with you. Uh, this has been great. I love talking to umpires. I love talking baseball with anybody. Uh, it's been a blast having you guys on the show. We yeah, appreciate the opportunity. And if you ever have some downtime and you need, need somebody else, give us a call. We'll be more than happy to, to come back on. Sounds good. So with that being said, guys, Tip of the Cap is part of the BICBP Radio Network, www.bicbp-radio.com slash tip-of-the-cap, or just type in uh, www.bicbp-radio.com and follow the menu, go podcast, sports, Tip of the Cap logo, all the episodes are there, or just find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can find us on Facebook, type in Tip of the Cap Podcast, that you can listen to the show right there, uh, and you can follow us on Twitter at Tip of the Cap Pod. Uh, so like, follow, share, subscribe, do all the cool stuff. And thanks for tuning in guys. This has been another episode of tip of the cap. We'll catch you guys next time. Do you like great food, good drinks, and some of the best bar life in Western New York? Then head out to the Union Pub downtown or the Transit Music Lounge in Depew. Looking for a great place to go on game day? The Union Pub offers game day specials for every Bills game as well as a great place to stop before and after every Sabres home game. They also offer beer buckets, wing specials, and more. Do you stick more to the burbs? Are you a music lover? Then check out the Transit Music Lounge, offering live music every Friday and Saturday with some of the biggest names in the Buffalo music scene. Hit them up on Taco Tuesday, or check out Burger Thursdays for the best burgers in Western New York. Both locations offer some of the best food you've ever had and a great sports and music bar atmosphere. And now, they offer catering for the holidays, too. For the most up-to-date news on the Union Pub and the Transit Music Lounge, find them on Facebook and never miss a beat. That's the Union Pub located at 38 Swan Street across from the ballpark and the Transit Music Lounge at 4723 Transit Road in Depew. Stop out, have a drink, and enjoy some great food today. The Transit Music Lounge and the Union Pub are proud sponsors of Hats, Tats, and Stats podcast.